are some people that make their work just another thing they have to do. And there are those that make their work something that they want to do. Welcome to Working on Purpose with your host, Elise Cortez. In our program, we provide guidance and inspiration from those people who have found deeper meaning and personal connection to their work life. It's beyond 9 to 5. It's Working on Purpose. Now, here is your host, Elise Cortez. Welcome back to the Working on Purpose show. Thanks for tuning in again this week. Great to have you. I'm your host, Elise Cortez, joining you from Dallas, Texas, which is my home base. This program is all about helping people more meaningfully and productively connect with their work. And it's an extension of the work that I do at Insignium and also my research around meaning in work that I've done over the last decade or so. Before we get into today's program, let me thank my media partner and sponsor, Jobbing.com. Jobbing.com is the leading locally focused job board in the nation. They are dedicated to helping employers find quality talent in their own backyard while giving job seekers control over their search so they can find work close to home. Great partnership. Thanks, Jobbing.com. For this week's conversation, we'll be talking about leading and engaging talent across the generations. With me is Sherry Elliott Yeary, who is an author, speaker, coach, and trainer in the area of human resources and talent management. Sherry's research and perspective on how the four generations can effectively work together is shared in her book, Ties to Tattoos, Turning Generational Differences into a Competitive Advantage. Sherry, it is great to have you back with me on the show. Welcome to Working on Purpose. Thank you. I'm excited to be on the show again, and I appreciate that, especially on a different topic. Yeah, I know. Last time we were we were together, I think it was last February, and we were talking about Crossroads, and it was a very popular show with people calling in and still is popular to listen to today. So we'll see what people think about generational differences and competitive advantage on this show. Great. Looking forward to so, it. Yeah, so, you know, I've known you, I think we calculated this now, I think it's been a, a good decade now since I've known you, and I've seen you work on all kinds of things, Sherry. I mean, you are just boundless in your energy, um, all kinds of offerings. So help us understand where you got your interest in generations. It started when I was working with a lot of different clients from an HR perspective, and one of them looked at me and said, what is that shiny thing in their nose, and why does <laughs> their pants so low? And I started laughing, but it really was, it's like, we have this big difference in how we work and how we communicate. And then I also had a young daughter of my own at the time that worked for me, and I'd fired her three times. And I thought she was being disrespectful of my position and of the workload. And I, and I really started wanting to delve into that. Was it really disrespect, or was it just that we had some differences that maybe we didn't understand? You know, I know that I've had you come to speak to my to my uh, senior communication students at Southern Methodist University as well. Of course, being the being the younger generation, they're they're fascinating to me too, and they do look at things so differently. So I have just a glimpse of what you've been able to see in your work and can appreciate your perspective on on a, I think maybe a, a microcosm level. And I don't have a teenager quite yet, almost, but I know I'm ready. Just brace myself, right? Yes, I'm here. <laughs> okay, good, good. Um, well, along those lines, one of the things that I've heard you say, basically, and I don't know if I quite have this term right, but this is how I would call the way you talk about it, but you, you kind of term yourself what I would call a generational agnostic, meaning from my vantage point that you don't see any of the generations any better or worse than the other. They're just different. Yeah. Can you comment on that? It's not bad. It's just different. Yeah. And if we can 
look at it that way, we can add the value of what I would think would be a, a bad trait. There could be some offsetting, obviously, very good traits, like someone's creativity and their ability to embrace technology, whereas a millennial might say a baby boomer's bad trait would be the fact that we work so much and we never quit. You know, that that's where we got our knowledge, and so it's not good and it's not bad. We're just different, and we need to recognize that. I think that is so incredibly healthy. I can't tell you the number of times that I've been in some kind of a session where I'm leading a workshop around leadership development, engagement, communication, whatever it is, and somebody starts bad-mouthing a, a different generation than their own all the time, right? Um, can you speak a little bit to that? Why is it so hard for people to accept, understand, and appreciate the other, if you will? Well, I think it's the change. It, it's requiring them to change the way they think. And as we all know, change is hard, and that's one of the biggest parts. And I remember I had finished speaking at an event, and a young man was chasing me out to my car, and I thought, oh, my gosh, I've got a stalker. <laughs> and, it, you know, it wasn't that. He said to me, when are you boomers going to get out of the way and make room for us? And I laughed, and I turned around, and I said, well, first of all, I'm not a boomer. Um, based on my age, and you've just insulted a woman. I said, <laughs> secondly, when you're ready. Now, the difference was I hear a lot of times from baby boomers that you got to earn it, you got to get to it, you know, you got, you got to put your time in. No, there's a difference, and the difference in thinking is, is one of the reasons that I found so many leaders hesitant to embrace the differences in the generations, and that's where they get stuck. That's their sticking point. Mm-hmm. You know, it occurs to me, Sherry, if you don't mind terribly, I know you probably have this committed to memory, kind of putting you on the spot here, but, you know, for our listeners that maybe are not super, super savvy in terms of the generations, they are maybe interested in the topic in general and learning how to better lead, would you just kind of quickly sketch for us the generations, the names and the general years of birth? Maybe that would probably wouldn't be a bad thing to do first. Absolutely. So let's start with traditionalists, and they were born between 1922 and 1944, so... Before I go into the others, I do want to say this. I believe from my research, my work, that we have a generational DNA, which is what I'm explaining, the years of birth, but then we also have a generational personality, which is based on where we've grown up, how we've grown up, our culture. So that doesn't mean we are just in this one age group. So as we go through that, I just want you to kind of think about that. We have DNA and then our generational personality. I am of the DNA years of a Gen Xer, but a lot of my traits are that of a baby boomer. Mm-hmm, and so when you hear that, um, you know, it helps us understand why people are a little more complex and we can just, we can't put them in a box. So traditionalists, again, are 72 to 94 born in 1922. Baby boomers are currently the age of 52 to 71. So they were born in 1945 to 1964. Again, I'm a Gen Xer. <laughs> <I> <laughs> Let me repeat. For the record, please. Yeah. Um, Gen okay. Xers, born 1965 to 1980. So their average age is 36 to 51. And our millennials, on average, were born between 1983 and 2000. So they're anywhere from, you know, 16, 18, getting out of high school up to the age of uh, 33. 
Okay, that helps. I just think that for a lot of people who are like, you know, trying to make sure they figure out where am I in this whole space, that was a good reminder. So thanks for that, Cher. You're welcome. Yeah. Um, so one of the things I've been thinking about, and, and this is something that I've done a lot of this work over the last several years, really working with leadership groups, trying to help them improve or develop leadership skills uh, to be able to further engage their, their people, to improve performance, engagement, retention, all those kind of good things. And today we're talking about the generations. And so I would be curious from your vantage point, why do you think understanding the unique traits and interests is such a challenge for the many leader, for so, so many leaders with regard to generations? Well, it's, it, as I said, it's different, for one, and so embracing something different than ourselves is always a challenge, and, and typically when I speak, I like to do something fun to kind of break down some of our barriers, so I'll just say it, and maybe the audience that's listening can, can kind of relate to this. I play that song, Respect, by Aretha Franklin, and yeah. if we can R-E-S-P-C-T, and remember that when we're talking about working with others, if we can learn to have that common thread of respect, you may not like the differences, but if you can respect one another for our differences and the value we add, that's going to get you over halfway there to understanding who that person is and how you can work together to maximize your engagement and communication. Mm-hmm. And I think you're right. I mean, I guess what, what what you're really getting to there is for us, for everybody, all of us, not just leaders, but everybody in the workforce to be able to take a moment and just look up for a moment and try to connect with the other person, see who they are and what they bring to the table, what they bring to the party. Um, just on Monday afternoon, I was doing a, a StrengthsFinder workshop for a, a, an accounting firm here in Dallas, and, and it was so much fun because we had them looking at their different strengths and then their different domains, and I had them talking with different domains and different strengths so that they could do just that. So we're not talking about generations, but rather strengths here, but the same sort of idea that let's look at what's different and embrace that and see how that can actually improve the work product and our, our teamwork together versus, geez, that's different, that's weird. And it was, it was several of the people said, oh, my gosh, and it was so insightful. Now I understand why, say, somebody who has deliberative takes so much time to respond when I need a fast response. I have communication. I want them to pop off with something quick. And I would think that you see that all the time in the work that you do, trying to get generations to collaborate more deeply within organizations. Yes? Yes, absolutely. And, and one of them is through the manner in which we communicate. So if a leader happens to be someone who enjoys face-to-face communication, and that's not something typically millennials enjoy, they actually find it rather difficult, they have better thumb skills, and they would prefer to probably (laughs) text you a response or email you. Um, They definitely don't want to have to come sit down in your office with you. And so learning that and understanding how each other likes to communicate, especially for a leader, if you know how that person wants to be communicated with, it doesn't always have to be their way. But at the end of the day, you want to get that message across and you need answers back. So finding a way to get across that bridge to collaboration is important and it comes with the awareness of how do they want to communicate I just had a fantastic vision as you were talking, Cher. Tell me if this might be kind of fun to do or if you can, or if you can envision this happening. I was envisioning, say, a leader who's maybe an older boomer or maybe a traditionalist thinking, you know, I'm going to go talk to Jason, the millennial over here about this new project. So I'm going to get up out of my office and go, go talk to him. And on the way there, he remembers, oh, gosh, this is a millennial that I'm working with. I maybe should... I should change the way that I interact with this person. So just before he gets to this person's cube or desk, 
Um, he stops around the corner, whips out his cell phone, and texts the guy. And they, they then have a text back and forth just right around the corner. <laughs> That's the vision yes, that I exactly. got as you were talking. Yeah, like, are you free? LOL. Yeah, yeah right, right. <laughs> you know? Up to talking? Because you know when you come around the corner like that, too, chances are that millennial has probably got on headphones. Mm-hmm. and is listening to music or something else going on and have three screens. Most um, boomers or traditionalists who walk up on that, they're already distracted by just the sheer amount of things going on changing at that person's workstation. And then mm-hmm. by then they've probably forgotten what they went over there to talk to them about. <laughs> <laughs> they're like, what are I you just... doing listening to that? What's that TV program? Yeah, right? exactly. It... It was, uh, it was just, when you were talking, it was just the thing that I just, it formed that vision and it just was fun. So thanks for going with it. <laughs> you got to watch no, my imagination. Absolutely true. Share. I can see it. But one of the examples I do have from a leadership perspective is uh, I had a client, a global client, and they were in a very remote location and they kept having all this turnover of engineers and it was really hard to get engineers first and second to come to this location. And they'd been in business over 200 years. So... I didn't start with the um, entry-level staff. I started with the leadership team. And one of the questions I asked them, do you enjoy working at this organization? Oh, yes, we've been here since, like, we were born. Of course you have. You grew up in this town. So would you like to see your children and your grandchildren have an opportunity here? Oh, yes, absolutely. It's, it's, it's very, very, very important. I said, so here's the challenge. When you retire... You have not transferred your knowledge to anybody, and you are running mm-hmm. off the only talent that your recruiters can find that's willing to come here at minus 20 degrees, and it is not close to anything rather fun or sexy. And so <laughs> the recruiters are working really hard to get these people here, and you're running them off because they haven't paid their dues. Mm-hmm. Do you want the company to be here in 200 years or not? Mm-hmm. And that was a whole different shift in their thinking at that point. Mm-hmm. And they were like, wow, you're right, because who's going to be here to run the organization? And this is a global company, but that leadership team was so entrenched in the way they'd always done things that anybody who came from the outside didn't know anything because they hadn't put in their dues and their time. Mm-hmm. It didn't so, so- to them to embrace something different for the sake of the organization and also for you know what they had as one of the major employers in that entire um, area. See, and to me, share what you're talking about that speaks to the work that we get to do as consultants, right, is we get to work with our clients on such a deeply personal, intimate level, but where we help them really change their, their the way they think about things. We help them reorient their frameworks, their lenses on how they see something. And isn't that awesome work to get to do? Oh, it's phenomenal. And I, I love the fact that, and I call it my generational lens. I'm like, let's apply the generational lens to this. You know, let's really delve in and look at it with the generational lens and see what we can do differently to increase our engagement, our communication, our collaboration. And and it really is. It's looking at it from a different lens, but we have to be able to show them. And it's fun and it's exciting to be able to do that with clients and to see the sparks and, and, and the lights go off in their eyes and you go, okay, I know they're getting it. Now, this is where we can really do some good work together. Mm-hmm. I love that too. Well, we're almost up. I'm going to break here, but I think we've got time for one more question. I, I wanted to ask you a little bit about Gen Z, or maybe that's it, maybe it's also Z. I don't know if they're the same, but who is Gen C, and how can leaders engage this generation? 
What's interesting about Gen Z, it is not the fifth generation. It is a mixture between our generations of our millennials and our Gen Xers and the upcoming generation, which is your daughter's age. So they're the ones who are right now in middle school. And, And what it is, is this generation is all about connecting and creative and they what they have in common is the fact that they are really into digital they're tech savvy and mm. it's it's one of their main focuses and so they are very connected socially and electronically they have a strong community through that they're very creative 90% of generation C create content at least once a month if they're online they post, mm. 83% of them post a picture online at least every week. So, I mean, there's all these wonderful statistics that they, 56% of them always are looking at ads on YouTube because they're on YouTube and they're connected socially through the majority of their day. So this generation is embracing all the gadgets, the wireless technology, so that they can work and live and share data on the fly in a way that makes sense for them. So it doesn't have to be just one generation. And I know before we go to break, I'll just mention my boyfriend just got a new iPhone, and he was an Android user. He said, well, this isn't quite the same as a mini work computer where I could attach documents and do X, Y, Z, but it's really smooth when it gets in the car and it connects and does this. So, you know, even at his generation, he's saying the same thing. I want to be able to use my technology to better connect and to be able to work in a different way than I've ever done before. Mm, Sounds transformational to me. I'll take it. And you're right, Cher, just in time for a break. I'm your host, Elise Cortez. We've been on the air with Sherry Elliott-Urie, who is an author, speaker, coach, and trainer in the area of human resources and talent management. Sherry's research and perspective on how the four generations can effectively work together is shared in her book, Ties to Tattoos, Turning Generational Differences into a Competitive Advantage. She's done other things as well, and we'll talk about that later after the break. Stay with us. Friend us on Facebook to keep up with what's empowering the world. Voice America Empowerment. Elise Cortez is a speaker and engagement and development catalyst. She designs and delivers professional development, leadership, and engagement workshops and can bring her expertise to your organization. She will help ignite meaningful development within your workforce that will increase employee engagement, performance, and retention. To learn more or to invite Elise to speak to your organization, please visit her at www.elisecortez.com. She would welcome the opportunity to help get your employees working on purpose. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings of the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our wall. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. Are you in your own driver's seat? Tune in to a program that will get you there based on what others have managed to do through challenges in their lives and how they persevered. Tune in to The Real Deal with Danielle Delaney. On our show, we use real issues and experts to help you reclaim your life. Danielle and her guests are here to steer you in the right direction. Make sure that you are here every Tuesday at 2 p.m. Pacific Time, 5 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. It's time to harness your power. It's your world. Motivate. 
Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com This is Working on Purpose with Elise Cortez. To reach our program today, please call in to 1-888-346-9141. Again, that's 1-888-346-9141. You may also send an email to Elise, A-L-I-S-E, at EliseCortez.com. Now, back to Working on Purpose. Thanks for staying with us, and welcome back to Working on Purpose. If you're just tuning in, my guest is Sherry Elliott-Urey, who is an author, speaker, coach, and trainer in the area of human resources and talent management. Her 20 years of experience in human resource management includes workforce planning, company culture, training, assessment, strategic alignment, compensation, and benefit programs. Her research and perspective on how the four generations can effectively work together is contained in her book, Ties to Tattoos, Turning Four Generational Difference, Generational Differences into Competitive Advantage. Today, she joins us from Sherman, Texas, where she's doing some work for a client. Otherwise, she lives in the Dallas area. I'm your host, Elise Cortez. Before the break, we were talking a bit about just really giving us a a landscape of generations and why it's important to be able to find a way to engage each of them in the workplace. For this next segment, Sherry, I want to get more on the strategic level here so that we can give some leaders some good takeaways as to what they can can do once they get back. So... um, my next question I want to cue up if I can is if you can share maybe some strategies you think can really assist leaders and employers to attract top talent across the generations first, so the attraction piece first. Right. And, and one of the things that they can do is take a look at what their online presence is because so many people are applying for jobs um, through websites. And if you're wanting top talent, they're going to be visiting your website before they even decide to look at um, sending in an application. And so you want to make sure that it's, it's, it's bright. It tells your story. It's got your mission, your culture. And when I say that, it needs to fit with exactly what you believe because where we get caught, and especially for leaders, um, we see that we're, we're selling the position as this, or we're selling the organization as this, but once they get inside, they're like, wow, this is not quite the same. And so Mm -hmm. you want to put everything you have in there like you're selling to a client because you are. You're out there competing for that talent. And so having a website with videos and testimonials and things that you're doing to give back to the community so that it explains the WIFM statement, what's in it for me to want to work for you? Mm-hmm. And that's really the first step to even getting them to come in the door. And that is really critical. And then having interviews where they don't take a month to get through them and they don't have to sit in front of 10 people in front of a panel. That's not how a lot of people are able to engage. And it's, it's a test that actually does not work from a one-on-one communication. And so just really figuring out what the role is and how you can meet with that person and understand how they can add value to the organization and what they're looking for. For instance, a leader sits down with someone that they're really interested in bringing on to the organization and asking that question, well, where do you see yourself in five or ten years? A millennial's thinking in their head, it's not going to be here. So, <laughs> right. you know, they're like, what? Five or ten years, please. I'm, you know, I, I don't even know where I'm going to be tomorrow. But you've already lost them at that point. So another way to rephrase that is, 
you know, what do you see within the organization, this company that excites you? And then that helps them share some of the things they may be interested in. And that helps you also career path things so that you can work with with whatever the top talent happens to be. Because someone might say, you know what, I really want to be here because I like the fact that you embrace work-life balance. It might be for the benefit. But you really want to know that, and that's how you're going to find out. Is first get them in the door through your website and through your social media so that they can connect with you and feel like, oh, wow, I've seen the bio. It actually is interesting. Or maybe a video of some of the leadership team. And then get them in the door and have a connection with you. And, and try to find out what they're really looking for, not what you're looking for in your career, but asking them from that open-ended space. Mm-hmm. Well, you might remember, I certainly do, that when you and I met some 10 years ago, what was I doing? As I, I was working with my business partner with um, an online feedback portal, which was designed to be able to capture intelligence from job seekers about their, their experience of uh, applying for a job, interviewing for a job, getting an offer and starting. And we learned a lot about um, what you shouldn't do <laughs> um, in those instances. And, and I, unfortunately, I do think what you're saying is just so, so important to call out here, Sherry. And that is that I think that many organizations are missing the opportunity to really attract really good generational talent because they are not considering their audience. They're thinking about what, what, what's easiest for me to get these people in the, on, in, in, through the door, not what's going to resonate with these people, these individual people. And I think maybe if that's what, what they can focus on is, you know, who, who are we trying to attract? What do they want to talk about? How do they want to be spoken with? Would go a long way, it sounds to me, in really making a difference in attracting those different generations. Absolutely. And if you know the position, say, for instance, I was working with one of my um, car manufacturing clients, and they needed 4,000 people to get on the floor to be making cars. Well, what they weren't doing was explaining because most of the applicants were millennials, we're not explaining to them that you are going to actually have to show up on time. (laughs) You know, those car parts keep going by if nobody's there working on the line, and you've got to put away your phone. Well, they had so many people leaving on day one. So think about the cost to even recruit and to onboard them and do their new hire paperwork, and then they leave on the first day. And so after reviewing that, I said, what if we did a video and showed them that during the recruiting through that process? They had to see, well, this is what the job really is. But, oh, yeah, here's some of the benefits. If I stay long enough, my three months, my six months, I actually get a discount on a car. Cool. And they're hearing it from people that are already there doing it. And they know before they come in and choose to engage in the job. I'd rather somebody say, you know what, this isn't the right environment for me versus selling them on something that isn't really true and you're starting all over again. Mm -hmm. And that's where it's critical. Well, and I also remember in the years that I myself was a recruiter, and I always thought of myself as an ambassador for the organizations that I worked with and, you know, really trying to represent them and reach out into the community of talent and engage them in a meaningful way. So your music to my ears when you say things like that. Um, one of the things that I wanted to talk also on the radio with you about, because you and I have talked about this offline a few times, and I, I, frankly, I don't have my head around it entirely. I know that you know it much better than I do. So I'd like if you can share with our guests today or our, our listeners today, Sherry, um, you've talked about how you know, an uncertain economy, mergers, closings, layoffs, all these things make it really hard to lead. And I think about the individual generations and how they might respond differently to those kinds of issues in the workplace. Can you say a little bit about that challenge that leaders have to deal with? Yeah. One of the biggest challenges we have is is how people handle stress. 
And so they're handling a lot of change and a lot of things that are going on. And so if a company's maybe doing some, I call it right-sizing, downsizing, upsizing, correct-sizing, whatever it happens to be, how you communicate that is different for each generation. So with millennials, you may want to sit down and um, send out a video to them and offer them the opportunity to come and talk if they want or send in their questions via um, in a survey, like you said. You know, if they want to get online and respond that way. Um, one of the things is... Uh, is opening forums and, and having like a, a Q&A opportunity for them to just share what they're feeling and how concerned they are. Because what's the worst thing is to say nothing's going on, you know, we're just having change. And, and I know for me, when I was with um, Snelling as their head of people, everybody could see something was happening before the company sold, but there was not a lot of discussion. And what made that difficult was the fact that a lot of different generations, including boomers and traditionalists, they need to know. They need to know what's going to happen next. And so in those cases, you need to over-communicate. But understanding that is, is critical to keeping people with you to make it through those changes. Boy, and I think that the art of communication is so important. Obviously, a lot of the consulting work that we get to do at Insignia has to do with transformational breakthroughs and change and culture change and things. And right, and so much of the success of those things are are contingent on the manner in which those changes are communicated, um, how they put aside people's concerns or address people's concerns. Uh, it's huge. It's so, so important. And unfortunately, we maybe don't spend as much time crafting those messages and delivering them as we should. Right. Absolutely. Um, well, another thing that certainly comes to my mind, whenever when I think about engagement, of course, I mean, I've, as you know, I've, I've been working in that field for quite some time, and I really, really love it. I think it's really, really important. And, and a key thing about engagement, obviously, is going to get to loyalty and rewards. So I would be curious from your vantage point how you see each of the generation's attitude about those two things. Are they different? Or is it pretty much across the board the same thing for them? Uh, absolutely, every one of them is different. And, and what I recommend to leaders is if you have a group of employees, you if you grab a four-by-six index card, ask them a few questions. How do you like to receive communication? Jot that down. How do you like to be trained? Jot that down. How do you like to be rewarded and recognized for doing something well? And now you have the key to engaging with that specific employee at their level, at their generation. And so years ago, we had all of these Christmas parties going on. And um, I think it was Fox 4 News came and interviewed me, and they're like, wow, why do you think we're down 30 or 40% in the parties going on at all of our five-star hotels in Dallas? And I said, well, besides the fact the economy had had some changes, I said, here's the thing. Millennials don't really care to go spend $200 on an outfit and go spend time hobnobbing with their boss. That's actually a punishment. (laughs) Right. (laughs) That is not a gift, and that is not a way to feel recognized. So they don't necessarily need that. Now, a baby boomer, we're all up in that. We're like, let's network, let's go talk to the rest of the, you know, the leadership team, and, and, and let's go make connections. That's not how they do it. And a lot of organizations, too, they're like, well, we could bring them up on stage, give them their award, et cetera. Millennials get physically ill, typically, before they have, once, as soon as they find out they have to get up in front of someone. That's why speech class is so critical for that age group. It prepares them to get up in front of other people 
and actually to have some comfort in their own skin. So when you think you're doing something good, you're actually doing something that they're like, well, that doesn't matter to me. Why are they even bothering? What if you ask them? And it could be the fact that they want to go volunteer somewhere. Well, that's pretty darn easy to do. And as a leader, if you know in advance, when you want to go reward that person for working really hard on a project, how meaningful is it to know, especially for an employee, that somebody listened to me and they gave me a response, whether it's an email or a thank you note or a day at the spa or whatever it is, but it mattered to me and they actually listened and did that. That creates deeper relationships and collaboration across the generations and without, within the organization. Mm-hmm. Something you said there that I want to comment on, Cherry, that's interesting. You mentioned you know, that, that the millennials don't really like to go out and present and network and all that kind of a thing. And I certainly have found that writ large. And the students that I teach who are seniors here in Dallas, they in the class that I teach them, it's called a professional seminar class, and it's designed to help them get and keep their first job. So it's, you know, it's really all about the socialization aspect and getting ready to behave themselves and plug in, et cetera. And I do have them do all these different things where they have to go out and do informational interviews. They have to go out and they have to go to um, two or three networking events and write about who they met, et cetera. And several of them, I mean, it's the worst part of the class for them. <laughs> they tell me that flat out. Um, everything else was fun, Dr. C, but uh, that was awful for me. And and I asked them why, and, they, and they're just, they're very uncomfortable with going out, putting themselves out there with new people, meeting them face-to-face. And I think it maybe, maybe you tell us, is it related to them wanting to use more of the technology and not the face-to-face? Well, it's not just wanting to, but they're used to. Okay. Because their friends are on social media, so they communicate that way, and they're grown up doing that. And so they haven't had to go out and do things and interact. So if you think about the way that generation grew up, it's utilizing technology. I know for the way I grew up and probably you did, we spent more time outside playing and interacting with each other and learning communication and collaboration skills at the sandbox. You know, and and in sports. And I always say I learned conflict resolution when I got pushed down the slide by Susie. And, you know, it wasn't my time. And I'm like, this is where I had to learn to start communicating for myself. And I couldn't just whip out my cell phone and text her and say, that was mean. (laughs) That's what you do. I know, I know. You hurt my feelings. Right, or they broadcast it on some, yeah. Or they well, broadcast that, it on Facebook or, um, you know, any of the other channels. Well, and that's one of the other questions I wanted to ask you, and I wasn't quite sure. You know, we've been talking a little bit together about, you talk about how managers and leaders are being required these days to increase employee engagement using new tools. And I wasn't sure if you meant social media, or are you talking about different tools? No, I'm absolutely embracing social media. That's where they are. So let's mm-hmm. meet them where they are. Because that's mm-hmm. important. It doesn't mean we have to utilize it as our main source of connection and communication. But I know that if that's where they're going to be, I'm going to be posting things out there. Um, I'm going to be trying to connect with people, having content that's relevant. So as a leader, it's wonderful to share things, whether it be through social media or um, with a group via email, and let them see that you're actually looking at what's going on within the organization and wanting to share it with them. It doesn't have to be in an in-room meeting. It could be a link on social media through um, the organization and start sharing that with your group. 
So one of the things that I certainly have learned about social media, and I, it, there is a, an art to it. I know that you know that, but I'm learning. You already know that, but I'm learning, um, is that there is a conversational quality to it that I think a lot of people that might be in the baby boomer and certainly the traditionalists don't understand that there it is a conversation and it can be very playful and very fun. It isn't just broadcasting, you know, people have this idea, I'm just going to tell people that I'm having a cup of coffee at Starbucks. It's not that it doesn't have to be that at all. And I think if I think if we can get leaders to be curious and show them just how playful and how they can really impact and engage a broader community, I think they would they would tend to come on board pretty quickly. Have you found that? Yes, absolutely. When they see that there's actually value in what's being shared instead of, yeah, I'm just at Starbucks having a cup of coffee. Now, I'm at Starbucks having a cup of coffee with a book study group and we're talking about, you know, this. 10 times power, uh, that's something that a leader would go, oh, wow, that person's like taking it seriously. They're out there learning new things. So it's really important, too, for also the people that are sharing on their social media that they also have to remember that, you know, maybe their leaders are out there looking at what they're sharing. How about we put it that way as well? That's mm-hmm. just as critical. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Because it's, you you can't block everybody and everything. So I, I tell my young high school graduates and college graduates, you know that picture of you on the beach with a beer keg? Probably <laughs> want to take that off Facebook now that you're out recruiting for your right. first job. Right, 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 right. We have those conversations in my classroom as well. Um, all right. Well, it's time for our next break already, Sherry, if you can believe that. I'm Elise Cortez, your host. We've been on the air with Sherry Elliott-Yuri, who is an author, speaker, coach, and trainer in the area of human resources and talent management. Her research and perspective on how the four generations can effectively work together is shared in her book called Ties to Tattoos, Turning Generational Differences into Competitive Advantage. After the break, we're going to learn a little bit more about how some of the best practices that leaders can use to be able to effectively engage collaboration, et cetera. Stay with us. Friend us on Facebook to keep up with what's empowering the world. Voice America Empowerment. Elise Cortez is a speaker and engagement and development catalyst. She designs and delivers professional development, leadership, and engagement workshops and can bring her expertise to your organization. She will help ignite meaningful development within your workforce that will increase employee engagement, performance, and retention. To learn more or to invite Elise to speak to your organization, please visit her at www.elisecortez.com. She would welcome the opportunity to help get your employees working on purpose. We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network wherever you go. In addition to listening live, you can check out information about your favorite talk show hosts, discover new talk show personalities, add shows to your list of favorites, and listen to all our show archives on demand. All from your iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market, and get ready to tune in. The Voice America mobile app, powered by Aircast. Inspired, encouraged, and connected on our lively, award-winning, healthy living power hour. Star Style, Be the Star You Are, with hosts Cynthia Bryan and Heather Brittany. Live every Wednesday at 4 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Tune in to the Power Party for positive, uplifting, life-changing talk radio. Visit StarStyleRadio.com. Yeah. 
follow us on Twitter for more great ideas at Voice America Empowerment. This is Working on Purpose with Elise Cortez. To reach our program today, please call in to 1-888-346-9141. Again, that's 1-888-346-9141. You may also send an email to Elise, A-L-I-S-E, at EliseCortez.com. Now, back to Working on Purpose. Thanks for staying with us, and welcome back to the Working on Purpose program. I'm Elise Cortez, your host. If you're just tuning in just now, my guest is Sherry Elliott Yeary, who is an author, speaker, coach, and trainer in the area of human resources and talent management. Her 20 years of experience in human resource management include workforce planning, company culture, training, assessments, strategic alignment, compensation, and benefit programs. She has done a ton of research around the world of, of generations and has much to share here. I promised you before the break that we would also get into some best practices to facilitate collaboration, but I do want to pick up something that Sherry and I were talking about over the break. Uh, she was talking about, we were, t- were discussing that loyalty and rewards aspect of how they differ across the generations, that for some people, the need for life comes first, for, for others, the need for work comes first. Sherry, will you comment on that? Yeah, absolutely. So... When we look at a baby boomer, they build a career, and so they're going up that ladder to the top of the career. So that's one thing that's different. And so they're focused on, you know, moving up, moving up, moving up. When we look at millennials, for instance, they create a lattice framework of all experiences with an organization. But it's not about promotion, et cetera. It's they want to have a life now, not later, And they do not want to put their work first because they've seen how that's worked out for their parents. Not well. Baby boomers have the highest divorce rate. And so a lot of these younger generations are going, you know what? They did it that way. Great for them. But my life comes first. So for them, they they may want to leave at 4 o'clock so they can go, you know, to their baseball game. But they're also going to be using their technology when they get home, working until, you know, two to three hours later. So some of the things that I've recommended to leaders is find out what really matters, what that reward is, that tangible reward as well. And if you can give people the flexibility to work and get their job done and allow them to have a life, that's a major attraction for a lot of people, especially our younger generations, because they do not want to wait until they're 65 to enjoy their life. It's Mm -hmm. just not an option. Mm -hmm. I'm totally with you on that. Absolutely. What a concept, asking people what they actually want. (laughs) And then listen. And then listen, right. And then listen. (laughs) Right, right. right. Ask, shut your mouth, and listen. Um, I'm always amazed at the number of times I hear people still say the phrase, well, I did such and such for one of my employees because that's what I would want. Well, that isn't the way it works. It maybe is what they want, but wouldn't it be better if you just checked first instead? (laughs) And I mean, how hard is it to to, to keep a four by six? Think of the, you know, four by six card of some of the most meaningful things you can do to engage and lead and communicate with your employees as a leader versus the files from an HR perspective we keep in our drawers of all the paper we've built up in case we need to terminate somebody. We've kept an entire history of everything they've done wrong. What if we switch our thinking and come at it from a, how can I connect first? 
and go to this little, you know, three-step process, you won't need the big file because you're Mm -hmm. not going to need to get there. Some of the best leaders that I have seen share do exactly that. Before they go into a conversation with one of their one of their direct reports, they just do a quick little refresh as to kind of what matters to this person, who is this person, snapshot kind of thing, get their head in, quote, that person's game, and then they can have a much more productive dialogue. Yeah, and one of the things I'm really impressed with my current client I'm working with right now at Grayson College is the president personally meets with all final candidates before mm-hmm. they are hired. Mm-hmm. Which is absolutely amazing because they have over 500 employees, and that and that means he's got to meet with these people. But he said, you know, I may not see them again because it is such a, a large campus, but I will know who they are, and they will know who I am right then and there. I think and that's I mean, brilliant. That is brilliant, and it and it's and it's what starts that change and that shift in the culture you were asking me about. It absolutely starts it from there because most employees, they would dream about getting to meet the CEO or the president of an organization. Well, how incredible is it that they get to meet them before they're hired? Mm-hmm. So true, Sherry. That is a great point. Kudos. Um, and to that end, I would like to make sure that we give the listeners some, some other practical tools here. So if you can share some best practices that you see leaders using to facilitate collaboration and maybe bridge the generational gap in the workplace, I, I would love to hear that. I'm sure our listeners would, too. Yeah, one of the ideas um, I truly believe in is if you're going to have a focus group for anything, you need to have that focus group representative of different generations. Mm-hmm. Don't just bring in all the same people who've been doing the job forever. So, you know, really engage, ask questions. And and I know for some leaders it gets tiring because our millennials, they have a lot of room still going on up in their brain and they are very, very, you know, thoughtful and excited and they're always going to be asking the why question, which is one of the reasons they're called Gen Y at times. Um, But make sure you're listening. I always say our millennials have the most attuned BS meter I've ever seen. So you need to be authentic (laughs) as a leader. First and foremost, don't ask if you don't want to know. And so if you want to connect and understand and find a way to bridge that gap, get out from behind your desk, sit one-on-one or with the group, not from a position of power, because that immediately takes that space and says, I'm important and you're not. But if you get out from behind the desk and you sit with them, any of your team or a group, it helps bring you into that awareness and that presence of, of being with them. So that's really critical. It's because that, that's showing them your time's as important as theirs and vice versa. And that's starting to develop some really good rapport from a collaboration standpoint. Mm-hmm. Plus understanding what matters to them and and seeing if there's a difference they can make. Why not allow someone to work on a new project that they may never have experienced before, but it gives them an opportunity to try something new, and they know you're listening to them. You know, what you're sort of getting there also reminds me, Sherry, and you and I spoke about this a little bit, is one of my previous shows, we, we talked about reverse mentoring, which I think is a wonderful illustration of what you're also talking about there, where, wherein you are specifically getting the younger uh, millennial type people to come in and share what they know with the seniors, and then vice versa, getting the seniors to share their knowledge. And it's meant to be able to um, create a structure of collaboration. And I think that is that's such a smart way to go about 
collaboration between the generations, purposeful collaboration. Yeah, it's purposeful, but it's also saying, okay, we know our knowledge workers, which are typically our baby boomers, and if there's any uh, traditionalists in the workforce, they know the industry, they know the job. Well, how are we going to get them to share that with this next generation of leaders? But also, what's in it for them to want to share that knowledge? Well, they can learn from millennials. There's probably a lot of things they could learn on technology to make their job easier or to do. And so the reverse mentoring makes it a win-win situation for everybody. I have to tell you, speaking of that, Sherry, I have to, I mean, I have learned my, a lot from the young people. And in fact, if, I, if I'm ever stuck in an airport and what to do with my phone, I walk up to the first young person that I see and like, hey, can you help me? And invariably like, yeah, sure. What do you need? Um, but just you know, over the years, you know, as I've done various expenses for clients over the years, I, I found um, um, Nexonia, which is a simple app, of course, on the iPhone. And oh my gosh, it's, and I had a young person show me how to use it. Can I tell you how much time that has saved me? Oh my word. I mean, just little things like that. So I think if we can help ignite that spark between the generations, just to look, this is really going to help you. There's a small learning curve. You can do it. <laughs> can well, go a long way. Respect and kindness mm-hmm. versus, oh, okay, stupid. You know, that kind of attitude is, is, is totally different. And the same for the other side is like, hey, this is so cool. They're asking me and come at it from an, an attitude of gratitude instead mm-hmm. of the other way around. Mm-hmm. And they're going to sense that, and they're going to be a lot more open on both sides to want to collaborate and share information. And that's mm-hmm. transformational. I think about the phrase respectful curiosity, right? For each of the parties to have respectful curiosity about the other's perspective, what they know, what they can teach them, can go such a long way. Yes, yes, very much so. And, and like we said, respect is like, to me, at the core of how we need to be communicating, no matter what form, social media, whether it's in person, however that be, but it's, it's also embracing that and, and mm-hmm. working with it and being mindful of it. And it's like a muscle. You're having to exercise it every day. And, and I tell my clients, when you are finding yourself like at that collision, not the collaboration moment, you know, we've all had them where we're like, you know, we're not getting our point across to this person. Step back and go, where am I looking at this perspective? Where is their perspective? Is there any room for us to meet in the middle? And that's where leaders really shine is when they can go, hey, there might be a different way of doing this, and maybe I'm the one who's getting stuck. Maybe it's me who has the challenge here. I've seen many leaders go, you know what, I don't want to hire anybody with a tattoo or with purple hair because I just think that that makes them, you know, less than qualified. And it's their own personal bias about something instead of it actually being something that's going to create a challenge in their team or the workplace. And then they can get over that when they realize they have the opportunity to connect with them and that person can make a big difference to the organization if they can get past their own personal bias. Mm-hmm. And to me, of course, what you're talking about there, Sherry, is the thing that so many leaders want, and that's impact, right? I mean, what, what am I doing that's going to be meaningful to the individuals within this organization and to the organization at large? Right, So the impact, what can I do to really make a difference? To me, that's what you're talking about. It is. And what can I do to make a difference? Because otherwise, how am I a leader? Then you're more transactional. You're not a leader. And leaders are always trying to think of new and different ways 
to engage their group, the organization, make an impact not only with the organization, but in the community. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Reaching into the community, no less. Absolutely. Uh, we are so close to being finished here. I want to ask, if I can, at least one more question. And that really gets around, of course, what I, what's near and dear to my heart, which is learning and development. I, I would be curious if you feel like there's a difference in, in how each generation feels engaged in learning and developing from a, a training perspective. That's whether it's classroom, webinar, those kinds of things. Yeah. So in the, in the prior days from when I was in HR, we would you know, bring people in, we'd train them in a classroom and feed them enough chocolate, hopefully, and, and sodas <laughs> to keep them awake. <laughs> right, keep right. Keep them awake and motivated, like, you know, walking by and flicking lights. Each generation has a way they like to be trained. And for instance, if you were to ask a millennial, the majority of them, because they don't like to be with others as much, they would rather take an online course. Mm. Now, if you set it up where you gave them dollar amounts and said, go get trained in a way that matters to you, but this is what training I need you to have, I guarantee you each generation is going to find a way to get it in a way that's meaningful for them. A baby boomer is going to be like, well, I want to sign up for a class and I want to make sure I'm at the first you know, meeting at 7 a.m. so I can network and you know, mm-hmm. make sure I'm at the after hours. Whereas a Gen Xer may be like, you know what, I'm happy with the webinar and that's just good enough for me. Or you know, they may want to do what? That's why a lot of schools are going to online courses because they're able to fit that into their life from any generational perspective and still work and also feel like they've learned something. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's really an interesting option of going, okay, what about just giving them the requirement of what the training might be and letting them find a way to do it that matters with them. But here's something I thought of the other day because I had a conversation with, with the, go, a client. Go fast, Sherry, because we have like I about am. 30 seconds. It was, okay. They said they went and got the training and nobody heard anything else. What about if they go to get training? They need to come back and give a presentation and educate the rest of the group. There you go. There you go. Wait, yeah, wait, wait let's to finish. Stretch. Um, well, here we are already. We wasted a perfectly good hour together already, Sherry, you and I. Thank you so much for being on the show again this, this, this year, this time. Thank you. Always a pleasure. Always wonderful. So if you want to learn more about Miss Sherry Elliott-Yeary, go to her website. It's generationalguru.com. Great conversation about what are the generations and how are they motivated and how can we engage them. Next week, we'll be talking with John Tarnoff, who will address the specific needs of the boomer generation and how they can reimagine and reinvent themselves in the marketplace once they either want to not retire or just move on to something else. See you next week. And remember, work is at least one third of our lives. So let's work on purpose. hope you've enjoyed this week's program be sure to tune in to working on purpose featuring your host elise cortez every wednesday at 6 p.m eastern time 3 p.m pacific time on the voice america empowerment channel this week find your life's purpose at work